Howdy, everyone. Welcome to the Texas News Podcast, where we dive into all things Texas politics and the future of independence in the state of Texas. On today's show, we're going to be taking a look at what's happening on the southern border and how the Biden administration continues to neglect our national security. Also on this episode, we're going to be joined by J.D. Wilcox of Fearless Films to discuss his documentary on the Conk Republic and the little-known secession of a small area in Florida in the 1980s. All right, well, look, it's time to tear into the news of the day, and, and i got to tell you, it, it's starting to sound, I'm starting to feel like a broken record, right? Uh, because what is dominating headlines right now here in Texas, it's the border, uh, and rightly so. I mean, the fact that almost every single time we record one of these podcast episodes, we're having to talk about what an absolute disaster the border is and, and what the federal government is doing to make it absolutely worse. I mean, it's just ridiculous. You know, and there are things, there are other things that, that we could talk about, like, you know, Paxton, uh, you know, Attorney General Ken Paxton. Uh, the Supreme Court is going to let the whistleblower lawsuit move forward. Or we could talk about the fact that Abbott is getting ready to bring legislators back for uh, a special session, obviously focused on school choice, but uh, people are heaping on a, a ton of, of other issues that they, they want him to address, including, you know, Texas. I mean, we need we want that vote. You know, we could talk about the the, the brewing coup that's happening against Speaker of the Texas House, Dade Phelan, uh, especially in light of what just happened in the U.S. Congress with, with Kevin McCarthy. I mean, there's a lot to talk about, but unfortunately, all of those big things get swallowed up by what a disaster the border is, right? So, you know, you look at what, what has just happened since the last time we were together. The Department of Homeland Security, Biden's folks, the Border Patrol, get caught on video cutting holes in the razor wire that was deployed by, uh, by Texas in Operation Lone Star to try to stem the tide of illegal immigration. And Biden's folks are caught red-handed cutting holes in the razor wire to just let people through. I mean, that's, that's sabotage. Right, Texas is doing what it can. It could obviously do a lot more to secure the border. We know the only way that we're ever going to be able to actually secure the border is is through Texas. But there's a lot more that that Abbott could do. But aside from that, let's just look at how the federal government is undermining what little is being done. You know, you have Operation Lone Star, you have the State Guard, you have DPS go out and deploy razor wire in some of these high-traffic areas to prevent illegal crossings, and what do you get? You get federal agents cutting the razor wire and letting them through. Now, I, I honestly think that if you couple that with the fact that the federal government locked hands with Mexico to sue Texas over the Rio Grande River uh, barrier to get Texas to remove it, 
uh, then what you have is the most compelling case for the federal government's intentional actions to collapse the border between Texas and Mexico. They obviously want this to happen. What you are seeing on the border is what they want to happen. When they impede any attempts, now, granted, news broke uh, just as we were getting ready to uh, you know, sit down to tape the podcast that you've got uh, Mayorkas talking about wanting to start building Trump's wall again. And Trump saying, hey, are you going to at least give me an apology for downing me on the wall, right? But it's a, too little, too late. And, and given some of these other actions, you know, cutting holes in the razor wire, suing Texas to remove border barriers in the river, are we to believe that what Mayorkas is asking for and the Biden administration is asking for in starting to build the wall again? Are, are we meant to feel like that is actually something they're doing to secure the border? Because I don't. It sounds like a ploy to me because they understand that this issue, border issues, unrestricted mass migration, by and large, one of the major drivers of support for Texas independence, right? Because it is the most clear symbol you could possibly get of how broken the relationship is between Texas and the federal government. But here we are. Here we are right now. Are people going to fall for this show of, oh, well, let's now build the wall? Well, what does that do for us, for the millions that have already taken advantage of the fact that the federal government won't secure the border? What does that do? It does nothing. Because every other aspect of the Biden border collapse plan is 100% in effect. So what if you put up a panel of wall? If you're cutting the razor wire and trying to force Texas to remove the barrier and creating um, you know, a- asylum processing offices, in foreign countries across the border in Mexico so people can just fast-track right on through. It's insanity. And if you want any clear example, if, if that didn't make it clear for you, if you would like a clear, more clear example, then all you have to do is look at the video that was published, posted on, uh, on X by a whole bunch of people, but it was it was video that was shot by Univision of essentially a mad rush on the border. Pandemonium mayhem right outside of El Paso. That's Texas, people. That's Texas. And if there was if there was any doubt as to the intentions of those that are that are crossing right now. I think that is. I think uh, that that should dispel all doubt for you. Pandemonium, bedlam, mayhem. It's insanity. That video is perhaps one of the most compelling arguments. I mean, if people thought what happened what a year plus ago in Del Rio was just some you know rush invasion, go. Watch this video. 
Go watch it. We're doing everything we can to disseminate it across every social media channel because it is, yet again, a clear sign of what the intention is and what the failed federal policies on the border lead to. You know, we just had a, a group of Venezuelan migrants set foot on an island, a Texas island, right in the Rio Grande and plant the Venezuelan flag. You have this surge and this pandemonium, this bedlam, this mayhem right outside of El Paso. Can it possibly be any clearer that this is an intentional collapse? You know, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. It was State Representative James White when he was chairman of the Homeland Security Committee in the Texas House who said probably one of the strongest things from an elected official on the border here in Texas when he said that the, the way that the federal government is handling the border it is they are intentionally trying to collapse Texas, crumble the infrastructure, strain it, uh, you know, the, the national security implications, the public safety implications, the public health implications, everything you can across every spectrum. He said publicly that he believed that they were intentionally trying to collapse Texas. We are under a political attack. We are under an economic attack. We are under a cultural attack. And it's not just the border. It's across every measure. And while the border may be the 800-pound gorilla in the room, it's not the only thing. The hits keep coming. Folks, if there was ever a doubt in your mind that the relationship between Texas and the federal government is terminally broken, all you have to do is poke your head out and look around. Look up, look down, look to the left, look to the right, and you'll see that it's broken. And so we as Texans have to think about what that relationship looks like. We have to begin to, to look at this and say, is it fixable? And, and we know that it's not. You know, it, it, it's an amazing thing. Uh, and, and we've talked about this before uh, on the podcast and, and obviously in the TNM. We, we've talked about and, and poked a little fun at Governor Greg Abbott bussing uh, interdicted migrants to other cities, these cities that proudly called themselves sanctuary cities, you know, like New York or Chicago or some of these places. And let's be honest, it's really easy to declare yourself a sanctuary city when you're about 1,500 miles from the border, right? I mean, that's, that's the kind of stupid things that you can do to try to score political points and, and prove how in touch with your feelings you are and show how compassionate and empathetic you are. Well, you know, when it washes up at your doorstep and you begin to experience what that feels like to have all of a sudden a massive surge in, in illegal aliens, then, I mean, it's amazing how, how your attitude might change. And, and I'll tell you, you know, we, we poked a little fun at Abbott when he started doing it, but uh, we did so because we're sort of past that, right? We're, we're a bit past that. And, and I'll tell you, uh, a little-known story about the TNM is that many years ago, 
when Rick Perry was still governor and Obama was president, the Obama administration, they implemented something called the Alien Transfer and Exit Program. Essentially, what they were doing was they were taking illegal aliens that were interdicted all across the Southwest, right? California, Arizona, New Mexico, they were interdicted. They were placing them on buses. They were driving them to Presidio, Texas, emptying out the bus at the International Bridge and pointing across and said, go. And that was it. Now, of course, they would go across, and the only thing on the other side of that bridge is the Chihuahuan Desert, right? So you've got suddenly somewhere in the neighborhood of about thirty or 40,000 illegal aliens that were being bused to this small, sparsely populated county in Texas, to this town, Presidio, and being told, go across and figure out what you got to do in the Chihuahuan Desert. And the practical effect of that was is that those people would go across the bridge. They would wait till nightfall. They'd walk one to five miles down, uh, down the border, and then they would cross back over into Presidio County. And so suddenly Presidio is inundated with tens of thousands of illegal aliens. And, you know, when you have a sparsely populated county, you don't have law enforcement, uh, you know, in substantial numbers to deal with that. And it's, you know, very similar to the maybe, maybe the Colony Ridge issue that people are talking about right now in Liberty County. You know, when you suddenly have a sparsely populated county and, you know, you slam or jam tens of thousands of uh, illegal aliens in there, uh, it, it can effectively collapse that county. And so... Perry went on a rant, you know, he, he did what a, a lot of these, uh, governors have a tendency to do. He sent a tersely worded letter, woo action, right? But the TNM went a step further. Uh, we secured an anonymous donor and what we began to do was publicize that we were offering, uh, free bus rides, uh, for, uh, illegal aliens that crossed into Texas to Washington, D.C., uh, and obviously none of them took us up on it, right? And it was widely publicized. It was all over the media. But uh, while none of them took us up on it because they probably thought it was a trap from uh, immigration, uh, the, the fact of the matter is is that, that it proved a point. And the point we were trying to make at the time was, look, it's easy in Washington, D.C. to dictate policy for a people that have a border crisis uh, if you don't have to deal with the consequences. And so what we thought was maybe if they had a really good look at, at what this feels like, then perhaps, perhaps they would have a bit better understanding. Okay. So fast forward several years and, and, Abbott comes out and announces that he's going to start busing interdicted illegal aliens to blue cities in Washington, D.C. being one. And, of course, you know, my thought is, wow, that well, isn't this fun? Uh, apparently, Greg Abbott has been going through the archives on the TNM website, right? Because that was 12 or 13 years before. I mean, it's, it's been a while, right? So, uh, you know, so at the time... When Abbott announced it, that was the, really the two takeaways. Number one, it's it's a little too little too late. And number two, I guess better late than never. If you're going to take policy advice and suggestions from the TNM, we'll take it. Although I think we're we're past that point, but I, I will admit that 
the busing strategy has had a, a really interesting effect. Uh, uh, to the point that you've got the mayor of New York City who has been one of those recipients. Uh, he's heading down to the border on a fact-finding mission. We are pulling off now to head to Mexico to speak with our leaders there and to really start the process of understanding the flow of migrants here to New York City and throughout the entire country. This is the type of conversation I believe we need to look at both local, national, and international to come with a resolution. That's because uh, suddenly he's getting uh, enormous numbers of illegal immigrants being bussed from Texas right into New York City. And now guys like him and, you know, people in Chicago and all these, they've got to make good on all their platitudes, right? Let's just see how caring and empathetic you are. And let me tell you, this is creating a situation for these politicians that they don't want. Because let me tell you something. They may want to continue all this sort of touchy-feely, you know, love peace, chicken grease kind of, uh, you know, uh, love peace beads, patchouli, vegetable. I mean, you know, they, they may want to be in touch with their feelings, but their constituents who are now realizing that this is all part of a uh, of a of a plan they're they're getting a a sense of what's really happening and because they realize that this is essentially part of a, a plan that's being foisted uh, foisted upon them by the federal government and now by these enabling politicians uh in, in their own cities they're they're losing their minds now i, I would like to say that uh, that this is a, a new phenomenon, right? That we're seeing something new. But I, I'll tell you, we've started seeing effectively political uprisings in the UK over similar issues, where they're taking these illegal migrants that have been interdicted and they're renting out with taxpayer money entire hotels, and they're they're putting these folks up in these hotels. And it's like, wait a minute, they broke the law. Why do they get turned down service? Right? I mean, are they getting a mint on their pillow? I can tell you that if you or I broke the law, we wouldn't be getting room service. We would not be getting somebody to come clean our room every day. We wouldn't get put up in a five-star hotel. You know, we we would get uh, we'd get sent to cell block C. So you've got Eric Adams, the mayor of New York City, who's heading down on a fact-finding mission. All he's got to do is look at what's happening to his city or listen to his constituents, uh, and, and there's all the facts that he needs. If he wants that to stop, then what he needs to do is he needs to pressure the federal government. These guys have got to come off of this open border nonsense. But look, yet again, yet again, it proves the point that even when they are forced to deal with these problems, they cannot come to the solutions. They they don't care unless it washes up on their doorstep. Again, another very clear example of how the relationship between Texas and the rest of the states of the union and the federal government is terminally broken. Terminally broken. So, you know, it, it, would, be, it would be lovely to be able to get on and record one of these podcasts and never have to talk about the border again. It'd be, it'd be lovely. 
I, I would love nothing more than to be able to, to come in here and, and fire up the microphone and record a podcast and not have to talk about how, how horrible the border situation is. But I know that the only way that that will ever happen is if Texas becomes a self-governing independent nation because that's the only time that we are ever, as Texans, going to be able to secure our border. We cannot rely on the federal government. We cannot even rely on other cities and states outside of Texas to pressure the federal government to reverse its horrendous policy. And while it would be lovely to have some conversation completely devoid of any talk about the border whatsoever, um, that will only happen on the other side of Texas. So, uh, you know, I, I'm sure we will talk about the border the, the next time we're together some more. And, uh, and perhaps some of these other topics will maybe consume some of that time. But uh, I, I will say that uh, it, is, it is the number one concern for Texas voters for almost 20 years. And until Texas happens, I think it will continue to be that concern. And we do have others. And like I said, we'll talk about these other things. But I, I will say if, if we don't talk about the border and bring these issues to light, uh, let, let's be honest, your mainstream media probably won't you know they only tell a fraction of what's happening if they even mention it at all because talking about the failed border destroys their narrative that the federal government can do no wrong as long as their guy is in charge <clears throat> all right well, that brings me to uh, our guest, uh, who today is uh, J.D. Wilcox. Well, I'd like to welcome to Texas News, uh, J.D. Wilcox from Fearless Films. Now, I, I met J.D., uh, gosh, I guess it's been almost uh, two years ago, maybe, not quite. Uh, and J.D. was in, in the process of releasing a documentary that he had produced on a little-known secession that happened right in the United States in the 1980s. And so uh, I'm, I'm very proud to welcome uh, J.D. on Texas News today to, to talk about the documentary, talk about the Conquer Republic, and uh, just get some of his insights. So, J.D., welcome. Thanks, Daniel. Great to be here. Yeah, so, so good to have you. Well, let's first off, uh, do me a favor and give everyone a, sort of a, a brief overview of, of your personal background and potentially what led you to want to examine this particular topic. Okay. Well, I've uh, been a film producer in the L.A. and New York areas for probably 25 years, almost 30 years now. And uh, about 10 years ago, 11 years ago, my wife and I got married, and we got married in Miami Beach, and we went to Key West on our honeymoon. And when you're in Key West, you can't help but notice that there are these Conk Republic flags everywhere. And there's Conk Republic Seafood House, Conk Republic Brewery. And at first we just thought that, well, that's just the nickname for the place. Like people call New York City the Big Apple. We thought 
Key West, the nickname was the Conk Republic. Well, it turns out that back in 1982, uh, Key West actually seceded from the United States and became a separate country called the Conk Republic. And uh, almost no one outside of Key West or the Keys area know that this happened back in 1982, but it did happen. And uh, we decided that at one day we were going to make a documentary about it. And a couple years ago during the pandemic, the government all just out of the blue started sending us free money. And we said, hey, let's take that free money and make a documentary about the Conk Republic, which we had always been planning to do, but we had nothing to do and we had free money. So off we went, $1,800 of my taxed money, I guess, <laughs> my tax <laughs> refunded back to us. And uh, we went and made a documentary about the Conk Republic secession. And we've shown it a bunch of times in Key West. We've shown it throughout the state of Texas and New York and all over the place. And people really seem to like it. I think we've hit a, I think we struck a chord uh, with, with this movie. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you, uh, for, for those folks out there listening to the podcast, uh, one of the things that, that J.D. was just super nice to allow us to do is he allowed us to uh, hold some, some private screenings of, of the, uh, the documentary. And, and i got to tell you, it, it, was, uh, it was a hit. Uh, everyone who saw it just fell in love. And, uh, and I'll tell you, J.D., one of the things that, that I think struck me um, is that uh, so few people knew the story. You know, I mean, it was obviously before we founded the TNM, um, one of the independence movements that we looked at. And while a lot of people sort of treat it as maybe humorous and tongue-in-cheek, which you, you roll into that documentary, I mean, you fold it in nicely, um, I mean, there were there were some serious motivations behind what happened and what the eventual outcome was. Could you give everyone just sort of a, a, a just a, a short overview of, of kind of how that whole how that whole process jumped off for those guys? Sure. Uh, back in April of 1982, April 18th to be exact, 1982, the federal government set up a border patrol checkpoint right at the very last piece of mainland Florida before you go over this big bridge and you end up in the Keys. It's called Florida City, and they set up a, a border patrol checkpoint there, supposedly searching for illegal aliens. No one believes that that's what it was actually there for. There are various theories. Some people believe it was for drugs. Some people believe it was for weapons. There, there are all, theory, all kinds of theories floating around about it. But they did set up a checkpoint, and it effectively cut off access to the Florida Keys because there's only one road that goes in and out of the Keys. It's US-1. And so by putting the checkpoint there, they let anybody who wanted to go into the Keys go in freely, but anybody who was coming out of the Keys had to stop and have their vehicle search and their ID checked. And once the word got out that there was this checkpoint that you had to go through, no one wanted to go to the Keys anymore because that checkpoint quickly turned into a roadblock and a huge traffic jam that was over 18 miles long. It would take some people wow. seven to eight hours to get through this. And once the word got out on the local news, no one came to the Keys anymore. They didn't want to sit in an 18-hour, 18-mile uh, traffic jam to get out. So that effectively destroyed the economy of Key West specifically and the Keys in general because it's a tourist-based economy there. They used to have a Navy base, but that was pretty much closed. 
So Key West was just sort of recovering from the Mariel boat lift back in 1980, and now all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this roadblock comes and, and just destroys their economy. So the mayor of Key West, Dennis Wardlow, did everything he could to get the federal government to, to pull the roadblock out. They, he called the congressman. He called the governor. They even sued the federal government in federal court in Miami to lift the roadblock, and the federal government refused to do that. So on April 21st, excuse me, 22nd, 1982, they came out of federal court and announced on the steps of the federal court that they were going to secede the next day from the United States. If the federal government was going to treat them like a foreign country, they were going to become a foreign country. And that's exactly what they did. Wow. It's, and it's, it's an amazing story because, I mean, it, it, you know, while, and as I said, while people have sort of you know, the sort of hum- humorous view of it nowadays. I mean, a- at the time, the the grievances were serious and, and the, the pursuit yes. of it. And, of course, their execution, uh, they, they used a lot of humor in their execution as well, right? <laughs> they they did. Uh, they You know, I like to think that uh, they they were one step ahead of the federal government in that they didn't present a threat to the federal government. They used humor to do it, but their grievances were real. And uh, Mayor Wardlow did get death threats. He did get, you know, he and his family were threatened before they did this. So there was, it was definitely a very tense situation that they sort of used humor to diffuse the situation. And back then, at least, the media was a lot more sympathetic to the notion of secession than they are today. Just like three or four years ago when President Trump was the president, the media was very sympathetic to secession, but they're not today. Uh, Cal Exit came, you know, just a couple years ago when Trump was the president because then, you know, it was okay. It was cool. It was fun to talk about secession, but it's not anymore. The media is definitely against it. And uh, so they they definitely had a a more sympathetic media on their side, but they definitely used their, their... their sense of humor to sort of smooth over uh, the situation. But it was a very tense situation, and the economic consequences for Key West were very real. Right, yeah, and, you know, they, they needed to get those grievances addressed. Well, you know, one, I, I've got a, I think for, for listeners of the podcast, you know, one of the, the things that, that I think um, really, I think is, is really the question for them, you know, uh, what what lessons? How, how do you think that entire story uh, related to the Conquer Republic? How do you, how do you think that should resonate with, or maybe differ from other independence movements, including the TNM? I would say uh, the Conquer Republic secession is an excellent blueprint on how you have to go about it if you want to do it and get away with it. <laughs> so. Uh, depending on who you ask in Key West, it was a real and legal secession or it was just a publicity stunt. It really depends on who you ask. Everybody has their own theory about it. Uh, Some people are very much, very adamant that it absolutely was a secession and they're a dual citizenship nation. Like if you're born in Vatican City now, you're, you know, you're a Vatican City resident, but you're also, a, you know, an Italian citizen or whatever. So there are all these conflicting theories about exactly where the legal status stands. There is a passport office 
in uh, Key West, in the Conch Republic. I do have a Conch Republic passport. According to them, those passports have been used, not by me, but by other people to go to, I think they said 12 different countries. So exactly where the legal status stands, I'm not sure. I have read your book, fantastic book, by the way, and you. you present an excellent legal step-by-step blueprint on how in today's climate to go about a proper withdrawal from the union. So I think if if anybody's going to attempt to do it today, they really should read your book and follow those steps. But I think they should take hope by looking at the Conquer Public and saying, hey, it's not crazy. It can be done. It has been done. And we don't have to look way back to the Civil War and talk about those things because there's a much more recent example about how you can push back against, against the federal government and get away with it. Right. And, and, and do I'll it for the you, right reasons. Well, and, and I think, uh, look, I think that's the key, J.D. I mean, you know, we've had previously um, on the podcast, and he's a guest contributor on the website uh, for articles. He consults with the organization, um, Dr. Matt Quartrop, uh, who is the world's foremost expert on independence referendums, right? That's his, that's his wheelhouse as an academic. And, you know, one of the things that he says, and although we haven't spoken specifically about the Conch Republic, one of the things that he said the last time that, that, that he was here um, was he, he talks about things that may not be legally binding uh, are effectively politically binding. And, uh, I mean, would you, would you say that the, the, the Conch Republic effort, essentially, that, that's where it was, even if it perhaps wasn't recognized by the federal government, that at the end of the day it was politically binding in the sense they got their grievances addressed? They absolutely got their grievances addressed. To this day, uh, they celebrate the anniversary of the secession on April 23rd. Everywhere in the Keys, you see the Conch Republic flag and logo everywhere. Uh, It's Whether or not it would stand up in court, I don't even know how that would all work. It's definitely a thing in the minds of the people who live there. And so uh, I, I think step one in any revolution is to get, you know, is to get thinking that, you know what, we, we can do this. And they, you know, if you look to their example, they definitely did it. They definitely consider themselves conks down there. Uh, everybody who's born in Key West is a conch. They, they, you know, they just consider themselves dual citizens and whether or not that turns into an actual political entity, I think still remains to be seen. If your book and your research was available back in 1982, it's entirely possible you might need a passport to go to Key West, just like you need a passport to go to the Bahamas now. There was right. no blueprint back then. They were just sort of making it up as they went. But, you know, I'm, I'm not positive if, to say that it might not be a fully separate country today if, if they had your blueprint to go by. Well, th- this is uh, this is a, a, an exciting topic, and, and I think it's one that that really uh, everyone needs to go back and, and take a look at, and obviously watch your documentary. Uh, now, JD, we just announced uh, that you're going to be uh, speaking and presenting at the Texas conference. Uh, or ha- how excited are you? <laughs> I'm very excited. I love your I love your organization. I love the people that come out. We've showed it. I think twice before at some of your meetings, we always have a very enthusiastic crowd and great questions, very knowledgeable people with great questions to ask. And 
So I'm very much looking forward to, you know, speaking to some people and showing them the movie and, uh, Hopefully we'll, uh, you know, it, this thing is just sort of taken off. My wife and I did it kind of as a, a lark, but uh, we just, for whatever reason, it's hit a nerve now and people are just very excited about it. Uh, the movie's getting a lot of, a lot of traction and we're, we're super excited to be part of it. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's, there's something that, that um, is really compelling to people about the idea of, of self-determination and, you know, and especially for folks here, uh, you know, in the States that just, they don't, they don't feel as connected to it as people maybe around the world. And, and I think your, your movie serves as a, as a great bridge to help them understand that self-determination is alive and well right here, uh, in, in North America. So JD, uh, look, I want to, I want to thank you so much, uh, for joining us uh, on the Texas news podcast today. Uh, can you, do you have a web address, uh, that you can give out to let people connect up with you? I sure can. It's conkmovie.com. So C O N C H M O V I E.com. You can go there and find out everywhere we're going to show the movie, and eventually it'll be for sale and download, so we're working on that right now. And all the information about the Conk Republic movie is at conkmovie.com. Fantastic. J.D., thank you so much. And, man, looking forward to getting to hang out with you at, uh, at Texacon. Can't wait to see you again. Hope you wear that awesome jacket. <laughs> Which jacket specifically? I'm bringing you a special jacket. You'll see when you get there. Oh, oh man. Okay. Uh, uh, you know what? Uh, I'm I'm game for anything at this point. You, you've been you've been uh, right. you've been so good to share your movie with us. But JD, thank you so much. Thanks, Daniel. All right, friends, that is a wrap for the Texas News uh, for this week. Uh, just a, a few reminders, the Texit petition campaign, man, we're, we're like uh, December 1 is the deadline, right? So, I mean, we are fastballing toward our inevitable date with destiny. And, uh, look, we need your help more than ever, right? You have an opportunity by just signing a petition to get a Texit vote in March of 2024. And I, I got to say that uh, everything that we talked about on this episode of the Texas News should tell you that Texans absolutely need a vote on Texas. So if you get an opportunity, head over texitpetition.com and uh, get your name on the line, which is dotted. Uh, and of course, uh, we are even closer to. Uh, the largest ever gathering uh, for self-determination advocates in North America. Yes, I am referring to the Texit Conference, or Texit Con as we lovingly refer to it. And uh, look, we've just announced brand new speakers, including uh, J.D. Wilcox, who you just heard from, uh, Weston Martinez, which uh, many of you guys know him here in Texas as a very staunch activist. And of course... Uh, the legend himself, Senator Bob Hall, is going to be a guest speaker, and there's uh, tons more in the shoot. So uh, do yourself a favor right now. Head over to TexitConference.com, get your tickets, 
And of course, if you're a, a member of the TNM, uh, you received a code, uh, that will get you a discount, but here's what I'm going to do for you as a listener of the Texas news podcast. Uh, the first 10 of you that go over and get your tickets and use the code Texas news 70 are going to receive a massive discount on your tickets. So you're going to want to take care of that. Texas news 70 is your code. Go make it happen. You're not going to want to miss it. It's going to be a phenomenal event. Uh, and get your tickets, check out who the speakers are and be watching, uh, for more announcements. Uh, quick reminder to leave a review on Apple Podcast. Uh, so far, we are uh, still ranking pretty high in, in the government category, but we want to jack that number up. Let's go to number one, man. I mean, you know, we're Texans. We do everything bigger. Let, let's let's just get so many subscriptions and reviews that they got to create a brand new system of math to you know to determine how high we're ranked. Right? Wouldn't that be lovely? All right, uh, as I said, my friends, that is a wrap, and I will leave you with the words I leave you with all the time, which is the words of Sam Houston when he said that Texas will again lift its head and stand among the nations. I believe that time is now, and the question is, will you stand with me?